Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. The game is over. And we are headed to overtime. On 95.7, the game. Well, that didn't go as planned. Christmas night in Santa Clara will end with a Ravens victory over the San Francisco 49ers. What's up? You're listening to Overtime here on 95.7 The Game. Mark Randy and Sterling Bennett with you as always. I'm pleased to be back after a week off. If you can hear it in my voice, I had the cold last week, the flu. I'm back, ready to rock. Unfortunately, the Niners could not meet the test tonight in Santa Clara. The 11-3 Baltimore Ravens strut into the South Bay and they escape with a win. Final score will be 33-19. The Ravens just got the ball back on a fourth and goal interception thrown by Sam Darnold, who was in the game at the end. We can get into that and how it got to that point. The game wasn't even really as close as that 14-point final score suggests, yet the Niners could have very easily making it a one-score game in the final couple of minutes. Uh, But Sterling, as we get going here on overtime on 95-7, the game, first of all, welcome everybody. Appreciate you guys tuning in on this Christmas night. Hope you had a fantastic holiday weekend. Happy holidays to everyone out there, and I hope uh, everyone else's weekend was better than what this game was. Uh, The Niners were extremely flat from the very beginning, Sterling, and they just never really got into a rhythm on either side of the football, and as a result, they lose for the first time in quite a long time. Mark, I have been here since 8 (laughs) a.m., and the only thing I wanted was a San Francisco 49er win to cap off my Christmas day. And you ain't getting it. No. In fact, I got coal. The Grinch came, took the coal, smashed it, and said, you don't get anything for Christmas. In fact, you get less than nothing. What happened tonight was a near-complete dismantling 
of the San Francisco 49ers. Now, yes, it's one game. Yes, the sky is not falling. And yes, number one. Oh, this season. doesn't mean the Niners are fraudulent. No, because every, well, every well, all right, hey, all right. hey, hey. <laughs> every time you and I come on air here and the Niners blow out some top team with a really good record, a good what one. do you do? You start chanting F R A U D S. So I'm just trying to figure out what does this one mean, Sterling. It means I'm a homer, Mark. You got to get over uh, it, all right? <laughs> okay. okay. So, no, but I. Everyone talking about this game was like, it's gonna be close. So, oh, oh, you know, Niners are gonna win. I never bought into the overconfidence Niner fans had. In fact, you asked me. What do you think is going to happen today, Sterling, coming into today? And I go, you know what, Mark? <laughs> you said that they're either going to win or lose. I said, uh, <laughs> I said, I, I, the homer in me says they're, they're going to win 31 to, to 24. I said, but the pessimist in me, the realist in me thinks they're going to lose tonight. Now, I'm not saying it to toot my own horn or pat myself on the back, but this really was not surprising to me. The Ravens are a really, really good team. And the Niners, they've won six in a row. They've been playing good since uh, the bye week. But it just feels like that you play against the AFC North. Brock Purdy has arguably probably his worst game of his entire career. It's not the recipe for success for the San Francisco 49ers. No, no, not at all. Uh, Brock Purdy, four interceptions in this game, Sterling. Uh, We can get, we can pick apart every single one of them. They weren't Stinky. all his fault. They weren't all terrible. The first one was bad and it happened early in the game. The Niners driving yeah. George Kittle all over the place in the early. Red zone. You get in the red zone, you're feeling like, alright, we're going to take an early 7 nothing lead. It's as the number two defense in the entire as league. As you have too. really all season Man. long, you go right down their throats the first drive and then Brock Purdy a little bit late on the read. The first reads were to the right. They were covered up so he moves back to the middle. Uh, who was it intended for? Was it intended for it's Debo? Debo, you're right. Debo Samuel on Debo a deep, Samuel. a deep post into the end zone. He cleared the linebacker in front of him, but a, a, a beat too late. He makes the throw. It allows Kyle Hamilton, the safety on the right side, to come over and intercept it. An easy interception for him. Uh, there were three others. A couple were tipped and picked. One of them at the line of scrimmage. Um, but Brock Purdy's worst game of the season. Because in this instance, certainly you had more turnovers than he's ever had. Plus, you didn't have those chunk plays really every single moment of, of the game otherwise. Like, you think back to the Minnesota game, the Bengals game, where he turned the ball over at least two times in both of those games. He was the offense. Yeah. Every other play. He was still making big play after big play after big play. Here you have four interceptions, and you could say they weren't all his fault. There were some drop balls. There were some tips. Receivers didn't help him out. That's all true. But there wasn't enough around those plays to make you feel like he had any sort of decent day. Simply put, he had the worst day of his professional career, Sterling. Uh, and the fact that this was even still a game at times <laughs> right. in the second half yeah. was actually kind of impressive. It was a four-point game at halftime. Everything went wrong. <laughs> everything Man. went wrong for the 49ers. Man. They the defense allows scores on seven straight drives. Most since what two thousand and five? Two thousand five. It's the Cardinals. Like, they allowed eight in a row that day. Give it a sit back, just out of amazement, and say like, "What the heck just happened? Like, what did I just watch? What just transpired in front of me? That's what feels like tonight. Like it was bad. Did I just witness the number one seeded San Francisco 49ers get their you know what shoved in at home? They're riding high on Christmas Day, and the answer is simply yes. I don't know if it was a 
you know, you had too much ham in the morning. You had too many tamales oh, last night. I had too much Whatever ham. it was. I mean, look at me over here. I got a loaf of bread and a <laughs> and an uncorked Martinelli's, and I'm having more fun than San Francisco <laughs> is right now. I drank this whole thing, 31 grams of sugar, and I'm hyped up right now because the San Francisco 49ers just lost on Christmas Day, 33-19. to Brock Purdy gets hurt, and they're like, you know what, Purdy, you're healthy enough. Don't come back in the game. You throw four picks. Enough is enough. Like, I get it. One loss isn't the end of the world, but it's Christmas Day. It means a little more. It's one seed versus one seed, and San Francisco said, we're just not going to show up. You know what? It's fine. We'll go beat the Washington Commanders. We'll go play the L.A. Rams, but now the Eagles won today, and you're sitting back saying that number one seed doesn't look as secure as it did just 24 hours ago. No, it doesn't, and that was some of the conversation leading into this game. I heard a lot of people, a lot of takes, a lot of opinions saying, Man, I mean, it's great the Niners have a bit of an edge now on the number one seed, but it, it kind of took away from this matchup because it kind of um, took away from the importance. Like, this no longer was an absolute necessary must-win for the 49ers. So my question is, trying to find the balance between the Niners' issues but also giving the Ravens the credit that they deserve, is this just an instant sterling of the 49ers realizing, all right, we have to win two of the next three games? Ideally, you want week 18 off so you can kind of have consecutive bye weeks leading into your first playoff game, and they desperately want the one seed. You could miss me with any of the talk about, well, the path from the two seed is actually easier because maybe you avoid so What is that conversation? It's a stupid conversation. (laughs) You get a bye, and you don't have to – you get to sleep in your own beds leading up to the Super Bowl. Like, that's what you want. That is the best possible path you could ever have no matter who the opponents are as the number one overall seed. Was there any bit, do you think, any bit of the 49ers having the edge hmm. in the one seed in the NFC um, and, and maybe the, they weren't quite as, as focused, as amped up, 11-3 versus 11-3, one seed in the AFC versus one seed in the NFC. The winner leaves this matchup with the best record in the NFL. Is there any of that there, or does that just take away credit from the Ravens, who clearly deserved it because that they played an incredible football game today. If you're asking me, did San Francisco not get up for this one? Well, it's kind of like after the Niners' five-game win streak to right. begin the season. And then what What did Fred Warner say week 10 after the win in Jacksonville to snap the streak? He said, I feel like we learned our lesson, right? Like, is there any bit well, of that again here tonight? I don't know. I just think they got beat. It, it is a combination of Brock Purdy having his worst game. The Ravens just made plays. They put guys in the box. But it, w- it was more than just Purdy. Right, right. I mean, De- all Debo the mis- drops some passes. Debo Ayuk dropping. drops passes. Ayuk was non-existent until garbage time. This cost me a fantasy win. I'm going to the playoffs, folks. There you go. <laughs> playoffs? You're going to the championship? Game? Me and my fiance facing off. I'm going to take in it to her like nobody game. else. She's going to get it. <laughs> but in addition to all that, I mean, you had missed tackles defensively. You had Fred Warner overrunning tackles. Dude, Jair mis- Brown was Misreading a lanes. Like, it was just sloppy all the way around. And I'm not trying to take any credit away from the Ravens because they played an incredible football game. Yeah. The way that they planned for this Niners offense just blew my mind. Ravens they were defense incredible. is great. They're the number two defense in the entire league, and some fans took it for it. They're like, oh, whatever, it's the Ravens. They haven't played anybody. The Rams scored 30 points against them. We're going to put 45. Like, they're a good – they're the number one seed in the entire NFL. Why are we discounting how good the Ravens were coming in? And I hope San Francisco fans, including the team, sat back and said, we got our butt humbled. Like, we are a great team. San Francisco's a great team. But 
sometimes some people just have, whether it's the day they're better than you, Lamar Jackson, I didn't think was great in this game, but he was good enough. In fact, I think right now he's the MVP favorite. Oh, gotta like, be, no like, doubt he, now. He didn't blow me away tonight, but the defense made plays for them, put him in positions to score quickly for the offense, and they got it done. Like, the Niners just came out, and they were flaccid. They just flat all the way around. It was bad. It was bad. We're just getting rolling here on overtime on 95-7 in the game. We, of course, want to hear from you uh, all night long. We are a little bit short-staffed here because it is Christmas night. Uh, so if you are trying to call in, apologies. We'll get to your calls as soon as we possibly can. But if you want to direct your frustration, your anger elsewhere, you have a couple of other ways to do it. Give us a text on the Comcast Business text line, 888-957-9570. I see the 510 there. As always, 510, we appreciate you on overtime here every single week on 95.7 The Game. You can also check out the YouTube chat, youtube.com slash 95.7 The Game. The chat is is flowing already. A.H., I see you. Uh, Francois, Dre, Carlos, Teddy, I see all of you. Alex, I see you as well. Keep it up. We're keeping an eye on the YouTube chat here. Again, it's youtube.com slash 957thegame. It's overtime on 957thegame with Mark Grandy and Sterling Bennett with you reacting to this uh, really tough 49ers loss again. Final score 33-19. to The Niners now 11-4 and and once again tied atop the NFC. However, the Niners do have the tiebreakers over all of the teams competing for the onesie. They have the tiebreaker over the Eagles. They have the tiebreaker over the Cowboys, who lost again. They're still a game behind the Niners, and the Niners have the tiebreaker over the Detroit Lions. So not the end of the world for the 49ers in terms of the number one overall seed. They still control their own destiny, but they took a major step back on a national stage. Christmas night, the final game, the nightcap of what was an incredible weekend of NFL football. It's the worst nightcap ever. And the Niners just laid an egg, simply put. I mean, they were bad at every single phase. Randy Goose out there. Man. Every single phase. F- find find me one area, one grouping of players, hell, one individual player who, I mean, I guess maybe George Kittle, who well, had himself. That, the ref that fell in the end zone, who maybe. Had, who that had was a awesome. Good game. <laughs> The Niners got their first points on a safety when Lamar Jackson tripped over an official in the end zone and tried to throw the ball away, called for intentional grounding in the end zone. Niners then get a field goal. They lead 5-0, and that was the end of good things for the Niners today. This game was drunk. It's too much eggnog. People were out there just hammered. I could could use a little bit of eggnog. You can ask some more Nellies if you want to. There's like seven bottles in the kitchen out there, (laughs) but my goodness. like From the beginning of this game... It felt like, okay, San Francisco, they get they get the safety. Great. They're gonna march downfield and score a touchdown, make this make this puppy nine nothing. Great. Then Purdy, he's got a window over the middle of the field, and you're like, yes, yes, and you're like, oh my god, there's Kyle Hamilton. Watch out, don't throw it over there. Then bang, interception. Kyle Hamilton was great tonight. He got pancaked into the ground, got back up, and found himself with the ball in his hand for a second pick of the day. Like, Brandon Stevens was making plays at the line of scrimmage, blocking passes up and down. It just felt like, I don't even know what to make of this game. Like, you just got beat. Like, you played poorly everywhere. There really isn't a point to say, well, you didn't run the ball, you didn't pass the ball well, the defense couldn't tackle. Yeah, everything that's been happening... McCaffrey was good again tonight. Okay. But that's it. He's... 
He's basically Jesus at this point. 14 like, for 103 so and a touchdown. Uh, he also had six catches for 28 yards. Does the AFC North thing bother you? You lose to the Browns, you lose to the Bengals, now you lost to the Ravens, and this defense is eerily similar to that Browns defense well, that beat you. I mean, the AFC kind of in general. Well, Purdy's number I, I don't have it in front of me, but Purdy's numbers are weirdly awful against well, the AFC. I mean, this year the 49ers have three losses against the AFC. Three of their four losses. Now, oh, actually, man. that... That being the way the season has played out has helped the Niners because yeah. they have the tiebreaker over conference. just about every team in the NFC as a result of conference record. The Niners only have one loss in conference. But something about the AFC, the gritty, the physical, the good defenses, they've gotten to the Niners a little bit. And it's not just this season. It's kind right. of been what has hurt the Niners in the past, too, even before Brock Purdy. Does that concern you when you talk about getting to February? No. No? No. Because I'm sitting back, sitting here saying, wow, like you've lost to... Well, you don't got to take on an AFC team to get there. No, but when you but. get there, I, I don't care about getting there. It's when you get there. I mean, we sat here week one jokingly saying, book your tickets to Vegas, baby. And then we've gotten to this point, eight and the, or 11-3 coming into the game saying, we're going to Vegas, don't worry about it. Number one seed, check. NFC West, check. Playoffs, clinch. Here we go. And now tonight, I'm not... You know, walking anything back. This Niners team is still the best team in the NFC by, I think, a long shot. They've beaten the Cowboys. They've beaten the Eagles. They've beaten the Rams. And I get it, it's who gets hot at the right time. My hope, my prayer is that they get hot here against the Commanders and against the Rams, two teams they have destroyed the past few seasons. But we talk about how if you don't win a championship this year, you got to beat an AFC opponent to get it done. And if you're going to let this thing go how it's gone during the season, and you're going to lose to the tougher AFC opponents, the Browns with, at that point, P.J. Walker and no Nick Chubb, the Bengals who had a healthy Joe Burrow at that point, now Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, why am I here? Like, why shouldn't Niner fans sit back and say, I don't know if they can get it done if they're going to have to play one of the top seeds, like the I mean, Dolphins just or the Bills one. or the Ravens, right? But got to beat them once. But if you can't beat them now... You can beat the NFC all you want. I don't care about getting to January. I want to win in February. I would not... I'm not doubting them. I'm not saying they can't get it done. I believe in them, but I don't... Like, I don't blame you if you go, I don't know. (laughs) The AFC against San Francisco has played pretty darn well. And uh, Lamar Jackson does not lose to the NFC. One career loss against the NFC in his entire career. So you think the Niners have an AFC problem? Well... I mean, is this just outside of the Steelers? Is this just, yes. coi- is this just coincidence? Is this oh, man? Well, it's, a, uh, it it's an AFC to, North problem, not it, an AFC. So problem. it speaks more to play style and kind yeah, of that. that I think so. Hard nosed physical defense, just blue collar. We're gonna smack you in the mouth, kind of defense. Dallas don't play that. Philadelphia doesn't play that. Philadelphia played that last year. Not this year though. Not the Dolphins don't play that. No. The Bills haven't played that for the majority of the season. I do think they're kind of getting back to it though. They are. They're getting hot now. But I do think that if you're San Francisco, you've watched Kyle Shanahan's offense not be exposed, but very much slowed down from scoring 30 points a game against the Browns and the Ravens. Those are the two teams I do not want to play. Well, so the thing was, the Niners in the first quarter, they still were moving the ball almost at will. 8.4 yards a play. I mean, in the first quarter, 144 yards. You had six first downs on 16 offensive plays. You were averaging nine yards per play in the first quarter. Jesus. 144 yards, nine yards per play in the first quarter, and the only points your offense scored were a field goal. 
Like what? Wow. What? What came back to hurt the Niners in this game was something that you've kind of seen glimpses of throughout the season. It was obviously the turnovers. Uh, Purdy threw an interception on the Niners' first drive in the end zone that yeah. that took away what you you felt like was going to be a touchdown because I think at that point the Niners had had ten consecutive red zone trips that ended with touchdowns. They have been incredibly efficient Man. in the red zone. We haven't even really heard from Jake Moody like for the last two months of the season. He was great Be- tonight. He, he was maybe, <laughs> he maybe was the best Niner. Tonight. Him and Christian McCaffrey, the only two <laughs> Niners that had good days. Um, but it was that, obviously, turnovers were an issue. Uh, and that first one came at the worst possible moment when you're in the red zone. The throw was to Debo into the end zone. And then it was, even when you don't turn it over, on the field goal on the ensuing drive, you stall out in the red zone, which hasn't been an issue for the 49ers, again, for a really, really long time. Last time you even really thought about red zone efficiency was... During their losing streak, yeah, which was what week six, seven, and eight. Like it's been that long for the 49ers. Ten weeks, eleven weeks since huh. it's even been an issue in terms of red zone inefficiency. But those reared their heads once again, and as a result, the Niners' offense, despite moving the ball nearly at will in the first quarter, you only have three offensive points to show for it. I just realized they've only lost to North teams this year, NFC and AFC. Yeah, the Vikings. Dude, the North stinks. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. God. It's my my least favorite hemisphere right now. We're going to throw <laughs> hands, all right? But but you're right. It, it felt like the Niners... The, this game was for the taking early. San Francisco was only down four points going into halftime, and, and it, folks were sitting back saying, you turn the ball over three times, and you're only down by four points. If that's not a Christmas Day miracle, you have a chance. I want you to go follow the North Star like the three wise men and go find Jesus in the end zone. Please. San Francisco said, we're not going to do that. In fact, we're going to play worse in the second half. We're going to play far worse. Trent Williams gets hurt. The offense can't do anything. Spencer Burford's out there playing tackle. Jalen Moore gets hurt. Purdy gets hurt. Aaron Banks gets hurt. It felt like... It just felt as if the energy was drained. The effort... Dare I say was a little low? Uh-oh. Like, I'm not saying San Francisco didn't get up for this game. Well, that's that's what I was kind of talking about earlier. earlier. right. Yeah. Was there a little bit of the Niners not taking the night off, but was it just like, oh, we got to win two of our next three. We can kind of skate by here and see how this plays out. Do you think it benefited the Ravens having to travel from the East Coast to the West Coast, not being in their own beds, having to get up for this game even earlier than San Francisco, whereas... You know, certain players are at home, opening gifts with the kids. I mean, I don't know about you. I don't play in the NFL, but once I've had some biscuits and chocolate syrup and some gravy and some bacon and eggs, I'm like, I am not playing football today. <laughs> I'm going to go watch the Grinch on the couch. going to go watch Chevy Chase in the Christmas vacation, and I'm going to sit there and just put my, you know, un- unbuckle the belt and just go, oh. It's a Christmas vacation. Like, I'm not playing football tonight. I, I get your point. I don't think so. I think maybe what benefited the Ravens a little bit more is they are in a fight for the number one seed in the AFC more than the Niners are. Interesting. Okay. They have the Dolphins next week, and those two teams are one and two in the AFC Ooh. at the moment. So I feel like the Ravens came into this game. Maybe there is a little bit of that. Fewer distractions when you're on the yeah. road for a holiday. Then when you are at home, of course, everyone would always prefer to be at home. So right. I'm a little hesitant to call that a benefit, but I, I do get where you're coming from. I just think the Ravens a little bit more focused because 
they had a little bit more to lose in this game. The 49ers still, of course, something to lose. Now you very likely are going to have to win your final two games to get the number one seed in the NFC. And again, I'll say it again, don't fool yourself. The Niners desperately want the number one seed in the NFC, even if you think there's an easier path in terms of opponents as the number two. The Niners will play whoever the hell gets matched up with them as the number one seed. They'll take the bye, and they will take home field advantage through the NFC playoffs. But the Ravens, I think, had a little bit more to lose with this game today. Maybe that's part of the reason why they got off to that start, although still the Niners started fine. They moved the ball. They got a stop, and they moved the ball. And they're about to score a touchdown. They're about to go up 7-0 after both teams have had one drive in this game, like they have in almost every single one of their wins this season. They get a stop. They go down the field. They score. And then the turnovers happen. So even with that argument, which, I, I mean, it's how I started the show, like, the Niners still started fine. <laughs> it's just everything else after it went to you-know-what. Well, just look at Brock Purdy's stat line. 18 for 32, 255 passing yards, 8 yards per attempt. Just that, you go, that feels like a Brock Purdy game. I mean, he averages, what, 9 yards per attempt this season, which is best in the NFL, so he averages 8 per throw today? So, like, his stats, just passing yards, attempts, and yards per attempt— are very Brock Purdy-like, who coming into this game was the MVP favorite, and you go down the box score a little more, and you say, oh, four interceptions. And zero touchdowns. It's almost like we gushed about the efficiency. Oh, how efficient the offense is, the most explosive offense in the entire league. The efficiency was nowhere to be found. There was no rhythm today. And again, that goes, Ravens get a ton of credit here. Like, what they were able to do defensively to slow down, like, take it from their perspective. Their fans are sitting like, we just knocked off the best team in the entire league. We just knocked off the number one offense in the entire league. We outscored them. We had four to five takeaways from them. Like, they're sitting back thinking they're the big dogs now. I do think if you are San Francisco, there does, in a way, need to be this underdog mentality. And not that, not that faux, not not that fake stuff the Philadelphia Eagles tried to kind of conjure up, like, oh, you know, we're the underdogs. <laughs> you're at home, and you're the number one seed, and you lost us, right? But for San Francisco, it's when you have this much, this much talent, a game like this is almost inexcusable. Like, there's no reason as to why you couldn't put up at least 20 points against the Ravens. With Brock Purdy, an MVP candidate, Chris McCaffrey, right now the number two a favorite for the MVP, and Kittle having over 120 yards, Ayuk over 100 yard receiving. Like, don't let that fool you. Ayuk was invisible. He, in he was, but I'm, I'm just saying, if you're reading the box score and you didn't watch the game, you'd be like, "What was the problem?" They checked a lot of boxes. They did, yeah. and none of it mattered. Which, in a weird way, like hearing that, it's like, what the hell happened? I mean, the Ravens or the, the Niners played poor enough to lose this game by 25. Yeah, this game could have been 42-12, and I'd say that makes sense. That's how bad they played today. It was ugly. Ugly. The bird gauntlet has failed us, Mark. They almost got through it. 4-1. and one. What are Ravens' wings made of, man? You can't clip them. The Ravens are one of those teams. I mean, I think I said it here on on overtime like maybe a month ago when we were looking forward to this game yeah. we were talking about the MVP race. Baltimore, you watch Baltimore, I don't know, watch Lamar Jackson this season, it's not, it, it doesn't strike me it's as like incredibly good and dominant. <laughs> yeah, it's not yeah. that 
It's not that fancy. The Lamar, what was that, 2018 when he had the MVP season where he rushed for over 1,000 yards? Yeah, incredible. And he was throwing bombs to Hollywood Brown all, all the Marquise. time. What One of your Oklahoma favorites. Boomer Sooner, right? baby. Right? Not anymore, though, unfortunately. Anymore. But, I mean, that was a different kind of Ravens yeah. team, and maybe as a result that's why they didn't have as much postseason success. I don't even think Lamar won a postseason game that year. Uh, and Lost to the Titans in the first round. That's right. The year the Titans <laughs> kind of put a run together. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. They went to the AFC Championship game. Ryan Tannehill. But... This team, I don't know. I don't know if maybe it's part of what got into the Niners. I'm sure the Niners absolutely respect the hell out of this Ravens team, and the Ravens are always a tough team and, and defensively strong. When I watch them, and maybe tonight just opens my eyes and I'll go back and watch past games and I'll see the light now, I hadn't been incredibly impressed by the Ravens this season. It's almost like... From a outside perspective, it feels like they just kind of narrowly squeak by. I think many Niner fans watched that Ravens and Rams game and said, well, Stafford's putting up 30, and they barely win with a, with a punt return walk-off in touchdown overtime. in overtime. Yeah. Like, well, if they did that, well, we can put up 40. And it's like, that's not how it works. The Ravens are, I think, one of the best teams when it comes to matchups. Like, they just match up well against everybody, at least defensively. And Lamar Jackson, to me, is the most unique quarterback in the entire league, as it goes dark in the studio here. Um, this this <laughs> right now is what San Francisco should do. Everyone go into a darkness retreat, close the closet, pull an Aaron Rodgers, and think about how poorly you play Please today. Please don't pull an Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Take some ayahuasca, have some fun, get some Martinelli's here. we got our loaf of bread going right here. We can all share around, right? See, look at They had the bread and the lights came back on. <laughs> see, see how it works, folks? You eat some bread, you eat some carbs, get a little sugar in you, you have some fun. But... I do think that the Ravens just match up well against everybody. John Harbaugh is a great head coach. Now, beat us a couple years ago in the Super Bowl, but we're going to keep that there. 
But they just, they're smart, they're veterans, and they know how to win. That defense really is not that young. It's a bunch of dogs, just like the Browns are. A bunch of dogs that are going to grit and grind their way to a win. They're going to bite your kneecaps, they're going to break your ankles, and they're going to punch your face in. That's how they play football. And today, San Francisco talks about, you know, you got to be gritty, you got to be tough, we want to run through you. Debo Samuel, physical receiver, George Kittle invites the contact. Guess what? So do the Browns and the Ravens, and both those teams out physical you this time at your own place. Yeah, no, they really did. And it's the first time the Niners have looked absolutely lifeless at home. They lost to the Bengals. The Bengals were playing incredible that game. The Niners still were in that towards the end. At least the offense was consistent in that game. Uh, but you're right. This was kind of the Niners' first absolutely terrible performance at home in a really long time. Quickly, you're listening to 95.7 The Game, KGMZ FM and HD1 San Francisco, always live on the free Odyssey app, Twitch and YouTube. I'm keeping an eye on the on the YouTube chat here, youtube.com slash 957 The Game as overtime continues on 95.7 The Game. It's Mark Randy and Sterling Bennett with you. Uh, speaking of Bennett, I see Bennett on the YouTube chat. Not you, Sterling. What a great name. A different Bennett. Uh, I see Sammy, uh, Chief, NRG. I see a bunch of you. Sean, Sean asks, is Brock still the MVP? Hmm. Uh, Brock is no longer the MVP favorite. Uh, I think is he your MVP, Mark? No, uh, I can't give him the MVP. Was after he this ever your MVP, Mark? He was my MVP favorite entering this week of play. Okay, so if you had to say, is is he number two now behind Lamar? I don't know. I don't even know if I want to put Lamar as one. Like, well, who are you putting instead I mean, of Josh Allen's been playing great football? Like, I don't think one poor game, which is a really bad game from Brock, I don't think it defines his MVP status. Now, I'm not saying he's still the favorite, but I do think that if there was a game that you might want to say Christian McCaffrey, I do think it is this game where you say Christian McCaffrey could very easily, well, I won't say easily, Christian McCaffrey could have probably put up 19 points by himself. Him, he was he was the Niners' offense today yeah. until garbage time when Brandon Ayuk got going. Kittle also was decent early, but... I don't know. The, we talked a lot about the type of teams the Niners have lost to. The AFC North kind of team. The Ravens, uh, the, the Cleveland Browns, the... The coal mining kind of people. The coal mining kind of players. The fracking kind of folks. Do the 49ers have an <laughs> issue with that kind of physicality? Because the 49ers have prided themselves for a really long time on being the team that brings that kind of physicality yeah. to games. They have been that team for a really long time. They're going to dominate you in the trenches, right? They went and acquired Javon Hargrave. No one expected the Niners to spend that kind of money, at least on that position this last offseason. They beefed up their defensive line. They have arguably the most talent on the defensive line. Now, Eric Armstead did not play today, missed another game. That's a big loss in the middle of that defense. You did get Javon Hargrave back. You have the reigning defensive player of the year. You went out, you acquired Chase Young. You are set there. Offensive line is a bit of a different question. You didn't put a lot of resources or energy into showing up that spot. This offseason, they have been, I think, at least for me, better than expected. But the Niners have prided themselves, Sterling, forever on being the more physical team. 
uh, and we're going to just simply out physical you. We're going to yep. wear you down. By the time the fourth quarter comes around, we're going to be picking up 12 yards per chunk on the ground because you're tired and we keep coming at you like few other teams do. Is that still true? Do do the 49ers have that edge in every game that they play? Or is what we're seeing in these losses continually coming against the, the other physical teams? Do these other teams have a physical edge on the 49ers? And you asked me the question, do they have an AFC problem? Maybe just simply put, do they have a physicality mm. problem? Are they unable to stand up against these kinds of physical tests anymore like they have in the past? I don't think it's that they can't. Like, if these two teams did match up again, I do think San Francisco will have the benefit of losing this game. Now, I'm not promising a win later in the season, and they wouldn't play until the Super Bowl, mind you, but I do think that San Francisco is not sitting back, or I'm not reevaluating how tough they can be. I just think that there are some teams that can at least equal them, and when your quarterback throws four picks, like... What team wins a game when your quarterback throws four interceptions? What team can have your quarterback throw three picks and you only be down by four points at halftime? Not many. I do think that in the struggle today, while there really isn't many silver linings, I I don't think you can take away San Francisco being one of the elite teams or even... I don't think you can really question their toughness. I, I just think you have to give the Ravens some kudos and say, you walked in here and you smacked the you-know-what out of us. Yeah, the Ravens deserve so much credit. But let's look at the Niners' wins during this win streak that Tell just me. got snapped, right? On the road to Jacksonville. Frauds. Is, is Jackson... <laughs> That's what this is hey, going to be, They lost yeah? to the Bucks this past week, so I can is, say that. <laughs> is Jacksonville a physically elite, dominant team? No, no, no. they're not. Tampa, are they? I mean, they're kind of... Maybe not, up front not really, defensively, but, but not too much. I wouldn't now. think you, of them as a team that wears you down physically right. over the course of, of a game. Beat of A and that's it. Seattle twice, no, no. They're not. Philadelphia last year, yes. Not this year. They are not that kind of physically dominant team anymore. Now, their offensive line is still really good. Yeah. But the defensive line, the defense in general, Swiss cheese, right? Like, you can just go through them. It's a good cheese. I like. I mean, all cheese is good cheese. I wouldn't go that far. Okay, um, <laughs> Arizona. And they're clearly not. And now you got Baltimore. Yeah. I mean the. And again, you can only play who's in front well, of you. Well, I can go back and say, are the Steelers a, a tough team? San Francisco did beat them. Now, week one, mind you, but they did like. But Dallas, you beat Dallas. They're not. No, they are not that new. The Giants are not. The Rams. Especially week two, they were not. They're playing much better now. They're more of like a finesse team, though, in my opinion. The Niners, well, the, the team that the Niners have beat, of all the teams the Niners have beat, who would you call the most physical? Is it Pittsburgh all the way back in week number one? I hope not. <laughs> but it might be. Like, at least defensively, yeah. Like, I do think they have those great, like, TJ Watt's phenomenal. Defensive Player of the Year. Alec Highsmith is a underrated edge rusher opposite Watt. I do think their secondary isn't great outside of Minka Fitzpatrick and Joey Porter Jr., who didn't start in that game. But I do think, while I'm not questioning San Francisco's toughness, I do think that if you are San Francisco, I don't think anybody in the NFC scares you. No team in the NFC can match your toughness. It's once you get to the AFC against these northern teams like the Ravens, like the Browns, that you sit back and you say, these guys have been there, 
They've done that, and especially with the Ravens, they got the quarterback that can make the extra play. Whereas the Browns have Joe Flacco, who's getting lucky every single week. He looks kind of decent. 51.5 points for Amari Cooper in fantasy. God bless you, Joe Flacco. (laughs) But, like... The Ravens just like the Ravens are tough. They're gritty. They grind. They'll smack you around, and they have the X factor where other teams that are tough or maybe tough like San Francisco don't have that player. Philadelphia thought they had it in Hurts. He ain't been the same guy, right? Dak Prescott was having an MVP kind of season, but I think we all know who Dallas really is. Get him on the road, they ain't gonna be the same team. Then you get to Baltimore and you say, man, like they got the they can win on the road, they can win at home, they got a great defense, and they have the X Factor kind of quarterback. That's what separates them. They're tough, they're gritty, they grind, and they have that quarterback. I talked, my mom was just she was like, Can you please stop talking to me, Sterling? I said, Oh wait, mom, everyone's saying we're gonna we're gonna destroy the Ravens. Lamar Jackson has uh, he's averaging like 70 yards per game. If you took Lamar Jackson's rushing stats, seventh highest leading running back with yards in the entire league. And I was like, we're not going to beat that guy. Our rush defense was number one against the Cardinals, dropped to eighth after the game. We missed 14 tackles per game the last three weeks. I guarantee you there was like 17 tonight. The Niners just got outplayed, didn't play well themselves. And when you have Lamar Jackson, the most unique quarterback in the league, you're not going to win games like this. You're just not. Yes, that's the question. Is this this isn't just a one game thing? No, no. The defensive issues. Now, some of it is injuries. Last week you were without both Hargrave and Armstead in the middle. This week you're just without Armstead in the middle. Shows how important he is. He's a he's. I have said this time and time again. He is so underappreciated at stopping the run. He is. He does so much work against the run game just by himself in the middle. He he doesn't get. As many sacks as, you know, rushers coming off of the edge, of course. He doesn't get all the QB hits and the QB pressures. He is so important uh, against the run. And with that plantar fasciitis, you know, you just fingers crossed that he's able to come back soon uh, because the Niners desperately need him. But this is not an issue that just reared its head today. You're right. I mean, what? They allowed 240 yards on the ground? 234 against the Cardinals. Against the Cardinals? When they were allowing going into the game like 70 per game, which was best in the NFL. And 102 tonight, which doesn't seem like a lot, but the Ravens were in the red zone half the game, it felt like. And it came at big moments. And how many tackles did the Niners miss? How many times? And I know that this is a little bit more so unique to Lamar Jackson. It's yeah. just what he does as opposed to Niners whiffing and making bad tackles. How many times is Lamar Jackson in the grasp in the backfield and he finds a way to skirt away, extends the play, either makes a throw for you know just a few yards but a positive play, or he eventually takes off and runs. There was the big play on third and long at the end of the first half when the 49ers got a little bit of momentum. They got into the end zone, cut the deficit to one, Cut the deficit to one with a few minutes left. You think, hey, maybe we're getting the ball back here right. to close the half. You don't do that. Then later in that drive, third and I think it was like 13 from just across midfield, Lamar Jackson, you felt like Chase Young had him in the backfield, escapes, runs left, looks to throw, no one open, takes off. It was Fred Warner that very, very strongly over-pursued. Lamar Jackson cut back to the right, left Fred Warner in the dust, 
Jair Brown was scared of the same Dude. thing happening to him, so he didn't even really commit anywhere. And Lamar Jackson just ran upfield and ran right past him, got all the way down to around the 10-yard line. They had a shot at the end zone. Fortunately for the Niners, they did not allow a touchdown there. Instead, it was a field goal. But there was just so many moments. That's just to name one where the 49ers won. You feel like they had a play for a big sack defensively. Lamar breaks away. You can't tackle him. You missed like three tackles in the process of that play. And you give up points as a result. And again, a lot of that is just Lamar being special. But to your point with what happened against the Cardinals, this is not a new issue. The running and the missed tackling. It's been a place where the Niners have been susceptible defensively now for a few weeks stretch, despite the fact that before tonight, they were still winning those games. So I think it's a little, it's not the smartest thing to just write this off and say, well, it was a bad day. Ravens are a really good team. Niners maybe overlooked them just a little bit. First of all, I think that takes away from what the Ravens did today. They're a very good football team, and I certainly feel like I had them misrepresented in my mind leading into this game, and they deserve more credit than that. But it also uh, would mean that you're willfully ignoring some of the issues that have plagued the Niners the last couple of weeks. We need to identify these things so you can improve on it moving forward, but let's not pretend like this is just a one-night thing. The issues that plagued the Niners today, at least defensively, have have, have shown up before, and most recently as just last week. Well, and it's not just last week. It's go back to when this team lost three games in a row. What were they not doing? Scoring in the red zone, turning the ball over, and missing tackles, allowing the opposing team to stay on the field for elongated drives, taking up time of possession, and keeping your offense, which is one of, if not the, most explosive offenses in the entire league, off the field. All of that has kind of, we thought we put it behind us, now it's crept back up. Each week of the past, what, four, starting with Philadelphia, you win that game, I get it, you miss like 15 tackles in that game. Then you go out there and play uh, the Cardinals last week. You missed 14 tackles or 16 tackles in that game. Well, you had the Seahawks as well before, yeah, in between Which you there. missed 10 plus tackles in that one too. Drew Locke, the backup quarterback playing, and that was a game for a little bit. It, it, it just feels like when we talk about Fred Warner saying we got humbled, we, 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 we learned our lesson. That was week 10 you after have, the bye, after the three-game losing streak when they snapped that streak. You may have learned it, but I don't think you learned from it. Like, there's a difference there. I learned my lesson. I learned... <laughs> or the last six weeks have made you forget that lesson. Right. And, and and I do think for San Francisco, like like Lori Matthews said in the YouTube chat brought to you by First North Carolina Credit Union, don't panic. Like, there's still plenty of time to play. There's still two games left. There's a whole playoffs to go. And, and Lori, you're right. Let's, like, there's no need to panic when it comes to playing the Commanders. You control your destiny for the one seed still. Like, it's up to San Francisco, up to us. Right to get this thing done, I don't think being eleven and four is like, oh my goodness, we're eleven and four. The season's over. We're not gonna make it to the end of the road. <laughs> no one's saying that, but I do think that this defense and the team as a whole, when you look at every stretch of poor play they've had, there are so many consistencies: missed tackles, turnovers, poor red zone off, uh, offensive efficiency. 
There's a common thread in all the losses. And now it's happening again, and you hope that against the Commanders they get right, they get back to putting up 30 points a game, then you go into Week 18 against the Rams, and maybe, I'm hoping and praying as well, that that game means as much to the Rams as it means to San Francisco. I hope. Rams are good. I No. I don't believe that. I think you're going to... I'll have to check the tape. Week two, did we come on overtime? Did you call them frauds? Because if you if you did, you might have to take that back, Sterling. <laughs> no, They're not no, fraudulent. I, I I'm telling you. I, I'm telling you. The, the Rams are scary. Same record as the Seahawks. Who who who, who, I, who are the Rams? Beaten? I don't care about record. They're, who, they're who, better. Who are the Rams beaten? Nobody. Nobody. The ra- so let's see the the Dallas they, Cowboys are going to be the five seed mm-hmm, most likely. Sure. They will host. The or they will not host. They will go on the road four seed. against the four. Probably Tampa Bay. Probably I mean, they could lose, but even if they win, <laughs> everybody in the even NFC if they win, I mean, I'm trying to think of how this matchup would work. I think the Rams would beat the Cowboys in the playoffs. Is what yeah, I'm saying. If do, that matchup were to happen, but do you believe in the Cowboys? Not particularly. Okay, then does that does that mean anything? Then they can beat a team I don't believe in. Cool. So, like. <laughs> Sam- All I'm saying is week 18 against the Rams is not going to be easy. I don't want it to be easy. I want, if we can all play this thing out perfectly, which by tonight's standards is not going to happen, right? I want that game to be Niners fight for the one seed, Rams you have to win and get into the playoffs. I want it, I want to push them out of the playoffs. Not because I'm scared, because I hate them. There's a difference there. I don't. I don't believe in the Rams. That defense is not that good. Oh, you beat you beat Derek Carr on a Thursday night. Derek Carr stinks. He's not good. The, the he's checking down on third and ten, down eighteen, down sixteen to go with four minutes left in the fourth quarter. I think the Rams are getting into the playoffs, and if they they would likely either play the Eagles or the Lions Week yeah. One, first round of the playoffs. If you, they play you, the Lions, love Jared Goff MVP If they right play there. the if they play the Lions, <laughs> the Rams will beat the Lions in the playoffs in Detroit. Good. I don't believe in the Lions' defense. <laughs> like, there are... San Francisco's competition, I don't think, is the NFC. Yes, you have to go through it to get to where you want to be, right? I don't think San Francisco's toughest competition is the NFC. I think it's the AFC. I'm not guaranteeing a ticket to the Super Bowl, not doing any of that. Well, it sounds like you might No, be. I'm saying you have to come to play. Tonight, San Francisco didn't come to play. I can think certain things of teams like the Dallas Cowboys. I'll call them frauds all day long. Till they're not, and me and Stephen A. Smith are gonna go out and have a drink. Like it's really that simple. The Rams, I get it. You got Stafford, McVay, and you're feeling good, and you got playoff experience. So what? You beat nobody, nobody. San Francisco's already beaten the best teams in its own conference. And yes, you have to come to play every day. They didn't come to play today. My fear is not the NFC though. It's teams like the Ravens, teams maybe like the Dolphins, whose defense is actually playing. Some smash mouth football and has the explosiveness on offense. And they just beat the Cowboys. Yeah. Like I like my fear isn't, oh, the the Rams. It's like you see the Ravens tonight? That's what scares me. The Rams should have beat the Ravens in and Baltimore. They didn't. In Baltimore. And they didn't. Because Stafford had to play perfect for them to be even in that game. And Lamar was like, Yeah, I can have like two eighty. Just chill back. Get a punt to walk it off. No big deal. Like the the Rams don't like the Ravens scare me. The Rams don't scare me. All right, we'll see. Circle that. Come back to it. <laughs> I'm gonna week have to eat that, aren't I? In two, two weeks. weeks. <laughs>
It's, I mean, you're putting a lot I'm out there. I'm going to be a lot right of now. bread week 18. You're putting a lot <laughs> out there right now where the I Niners just, have a potentially because g- got to have it game in two weeks. I'm so confident even after this loss where they got shoved to the ground a handful of times, played sloppy, penalties, turnovers, interceptions, five picks on the night as a whole from their quarterbacks. Defense didn't play well, missed tackles. I don't know what the heck they were doing playing the yo-yo with Ambry Thomas and Jason Verrett. My goodness, folks, what are we doing out there? Even after all of that, I still believe this Niners team is the best team in the NFC. The record proves that. Their history proves that. And I'm hoping that their previous history just this year, that being the last six weeks, shows its head again against the Commanders and the Rams and all the way through the playoffs. Yeah, I'm not doubting that either. I mean, the NFC is in a weird situation where now the top team in the conference has a a really strange, awkward blowout loss on their hands, but that team is also still not just beaten, but throttled everyone else close. They haven't played the Lions. That's the one exception. But I'm fairly confident the Niners could put up 40 on the Lions like they put up 40 on the Cowboys and the Eagles. So I'm with you there. The Niners are still my picks to come out of the NFC, and this isn't like time to panic and freak out about this this team's ability to win in the postseason. But I think we got a little ahead of ourselves crowning this team so early when there's clearly still a bunch of issues plaguing plaguing them right now. And a lot of it is defensively. Now you pair that with what happened today Purdy. offensively. And we got to get into Purdy. We only have a few minutes left in this segment. We can do that on the other side. Um, I also thought Kyle Shanahan got thoroughly outcoached today. The Niners offense against that Ravens defense, it looked like the Ravens had the Niners playbook. Like they were, they knew everything. Game, man. <laughs> they knew everything the Niners were trying to do before they did it. Yeah. How many times was there a, a quick screen out to McCaffrey to the left, yeah. Debo to the right? I mean, Debo broke a tackle on Marlon, Marlon Humphrey. Humphrey somehow. Uh, he didn't even know the hit was coming, basically, and bounced right off of it like nothing that happened. That was like a Mack truck hit a brick wall. It was like, <laughs> who moved? I have no idea. But even with that, Marlon Humphrey and the Ravens' defense knew that play was coming. Yeah. Debo's greatness is the only reason it wasn't like negative five yards and maybe a fumble. Um, but <laughs> like every single time the Niners tried one of their patented little, right, let's just get it out quick to our playmakers right. in space. The dink and dunk stuff. Get us seven yards. Stay ahead of the chains. We'll get this drive moving. Every time the Niners tried one of those easy, let's steal seven yards kind of plays, the Ravens were ready for it. Kyle Shanahan got thoroughly outclassed almost every single offensive drive in this one for the 49ers. I'm not saying I'm worried about that moving forward. Harbaugh is obviously a great coach for the Ravens, and that's a good, good defensive staff and, of course, a very talented defense as well. Um, But the Niners really, really, really just got... They got beat big time in every single possible phase you can look at in this game. And it's not limited to the issues that haunted them against Arizona where they still won and the missed tackles and allowing a bunch of uh, yards on the run game. Like, they were bad everywhere else tonight as well, and that is troublesome. This game was weird, too, because even in the pregame, they inactivated Samuel Womack, who was their gunner the most of the year when he was healthy, and... To activate Jason Verrett, who hasn't played football in two years. And look, 
His story is incredible. How many torn ACLs has he had? And Achilles. And- like, he's fought back from so much. And to play on Christmas Day back in the Bay where he's had his best year of his career, great story. Like, 2020, Verrett was something else, right? He was... I love the, Jason Verrett. The lone, Shout out to Santa Rosa JC, by the way, too. There you go. He was the lone bright spot of the 2020 season. And to see him come back and play was great. But in a game like this... When you see pregame, oh, it's a feel-good story. And then you're like, oh, my God, get him off the field, please. Like, he's hurting us. And it's not to to talk down towards Verrett, but it's to point out that what it felt like they were trying to do, like, oh, we're going to have a feel-good. Yeah, what was that? Like, what, it, like they're Ambry yo-yoing Tom- starting cornerback Thomas, Thomas has been the starter for six weeks. And he came back in the game. It wasn't it wasn't injury-related, right? No, he if was If it fine. was, I never saw anything. He's fine. So they bring Jason Verrett in for his first game action in a year and a half. To play three snaps. And on the third snap, he got targeted in the end zone and got beat for a touchdown by Nelson Aguilar. And like, and they moved Diamondar Lenore back outside. outside yeah. They moved Ver- Verrett came in to play <laughs> nickel. nickel. <laughs> like, he's I playing out of position. I, I don't know what's, what was going on there. Which like makes me, I don't want to go down the whole conspiracy. Theory. Oh, it's the X-Files, it's aliens, brother. But like, it just felt like... Not that San Francisco wasn't taking this one seriously. It just felt like, it just, I don't know. It, it, it's hard to put a finger on, like, you got outcoached, you got outplayed, you didn't tackle your quarterbacks through picks, and you're activating players that really shouldn't be on the field. Or, like, they prioritized getting a player to have a feel-good moment, which I'm all for. I, I can't, be- I can't but, possibly believe it was that. But, but, you, but you I take him off the field for your gunner, who's been great. Like, I'd rather have Samuel Womack this year, what year number three in his career, playing gunner for me than Verrett being on the field ever again. And I love Verrett, but like, what are we doing? This game means something. Why are we putting out a 32-year-old torn ACL or, or, or a player that has torn ACL like five times? I love him, but like, why is he on the field? He's not going to help you, at least now. Against I, the best team in the AFC, what? Like, what? Like, this is a big game. Yeah, I'm trying to find the reason why that was a move that the Niners made. I think it would be better for it to be purely a tactical, schematic decision, even though I would flatly disagree with it, as opposed to the team searching for a feel-good, nice little boost there from yeah. a player that the locker room loves. Like, if you're putting a player out there for the sole reason of like m- boosting morale. In the red zone, defensively, against the best team in the AFC in a game that you are currently struggling in, like that seems like coaching malpractice to me. So I, I, I just hope it was, for some reason, a schematic decision, and I can just flatly disagree with that schematic decision, but I hope, I hope that's all it was. There was no extracurricular activity going on there. But then you look at it, and he's playing nickel. When has he ever played nickel? I don't think he ever has. But he's playing in the, one of the biggest games of the year. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, it just makes you sit back and say, like, what what are we doing? Like, I don't know. It, it, it just, oh, like... There's a lot of that in this game. Losing Confusion. To, losing tonight was bad enough. And then you dive into like the decision-making process of just a rather unimportant play with Verrett being on the field. And it just makes you say, what are we thinking? Like, it's 
There's not even a logical I mean, way, that logical was, reason to do that, make that move. That was the touchdown early third quarter that made it 23-12. to 12. It was a four-point game at that point. That was an important <sighs> moment in the game. The game See, was that, that far makes it from worse. over. It makes it, it worse. And, like, I it get does. I get Ambry had a holding call on a third down and extended the drive for the Ravens. But, like, that, you're going to bench your starting cornerback because he makes two mistakes in one game you have to have or you feel like you need to have? No. There's got to be something No one's else ever there, done though. that before, ever. There's got to be something else there that we're not picking up on. I'm not sure. We'll go through the transcripts of Kyle Shanahan talking postgame and some others. We'll see if we'll f- we can find something. We'll get back to that on the other side. And we got to talk about Brock Purdy today. Four interceptions. It was never, never smooth for Brock Purdy in this game. We got to talk about his performance on national television on Christmas night in front of 30 million viewers. You a ton of people watched Brock Purdy throw four interceptions today. We'll talk about that on the other side as overtime continues. The Niners fall to the Ravens, 33-19. to It's Grandy and Sterling. We'll ju- we're just getting started on overtime tonight. More coming up next on 95.7 The Game. Inside the red zone already, and the 49ers have scored. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Touchdowns last 10 times. They've taken the ball inside the 20. Now back to Overtime with Sterling Bennett and Mark Grandy on 95.7 The Game. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everyone out there tuning in to Overtime here on 95.7 The Game. Appreciate you all for uh, spending part of your holiday with us here on 95.7 The Game. Mark Randy and Sterling Bennett with you. This is your favorite Christmas song, Sterling? You're this enjoying is. it back there. I love me some Donny Hathaway. A very special you got it. Christmas. 
Not for the Niners, We need this. We need some holiday cheer after what happened tonight for the 49ers. They fall to the Ravens tonight. Again, final score, 33-19. to Again, happy holidays from wherever you are tuning in from. Hope you had a fantastic holiday weekend, a nice extended weekend. Hope you're getting some time off from work. Maybe you're still off tomorrow as well. Not going back into work tomorrow. Fingers crossed for you there. Certainly hope so. Uh, we might need it to get over this 49ers <laughs> loss, Sterling, 33-19. to uh, Let's focus on in on Brock Purdy here as we continue on overtime. It's Mark sure. Randy and Sterling Bennett with you. Off the top, we got a question from the uh, Comcast Business text line from the 732. Sorry, I didn't see this earlier, 732. Hope you're still listening. Uh, What's the status with Brock's injury? Honest question. I haven't seen anything. So he left the game uh, late in the game with what has been called a stinger. And if you remember, he also suffered a stinger for a moment last week in Arizona. He missed a couple of plays, came right back in, and was fine. Um, Kyle Shanahan has said post-game that he doesn't believe the stinger issue for Brock Purdy will linger. He he could have gone back into the game after coming out tonight, uh, but Shanahan kept him out given the score in the offensive line situation. Uh, so it seems like Brock Purdy avoided something major once again with Sterling now a stinger in consecutive games. Shanahan does say he does not expect it will linger, but to answer your question, 7-3 to the Niners quarterback seemed to avoid any sort of serious injury once again tonight. Do the constant stingers bother you? They don't bother me, but I know some fans might say, oh, he's had like five or concussion against the Vikings and a stinger a few weeks ago. Now this one again, does it bother you? No. Okay. Just asking. Something more than a stinger, and then maybe I'd be a little yeah, concerned. Yeah, I mean, the, the way the game but. was going, Trent goes down, Banks goes down, Purdy goes down. I was like, who else? Is, this is a 12 days of nine of injuries. Like, who is going down? And what is frustrating now is on your, you're on a short week, and you were oh, already kind of yeah. coming into this game on the East Coast too. a little banged up. Yeah, you're going to travel out there. Probably on Friday would be my guess. You yeah. got You're already in a short week. You play today on Monday night. Um, so a little bit of an injury question there for the 49ers, but again, to answer the question about Purdy, does not seem like Purdy is uh, among those groups. Let's focus, though, on Brock Purdy's play because he threw four interceptions today, did not get into the end zone, was 18 for 32 with 255. Shanahan said postgame, quote, of the interceptions, the first one was a big mistake, the other three were pretty unfortunate for him. I think that's a relatively fair description and retelling by Kyle Shanahan. If you can't remember, the first one was when Kyle Hamilton came over from the right side on a throw into the end zone intended for Debo Samuel. Played it coming in. Debo, yeah, you're right. Debo was open, uh, but he threw it a little bit too late. Hamilton was able to come over there, step in front, and get the interception. That was just simply a, a bad process for Brock Purdy. He was late in processing that and making the throw. The others were kind of broken plays, tip drill, interceptions. Weren't great moments necessarily, uh, but would you agree with Kyle Shanahan that that first one was the worst one for Brock Purdy? And the other ones are... I don't know if forgivable is the right word, but you could understand them a little bit more. I think you can chalk the other three up to just good defensive play or at least give the defense more credit than the first one. Now, Kyle Hamilton deserves credit for picking Brock that was Purdy also off the end zone. But, but Purdy I do th- doesn't have to give him the opportunity to make it. Right, the like there's a window there. Like They pause the TV broadcast to say, here's a gigantic window, here's where it's supposed to go, and Brock just threw it late, gets picked off. But I would agree that... I am not personally going to hold four picks against Brock Purdy. One, yes, I will. Maybe two, probably. But 
Brandon Stevens made a great play on the screen pass. Bats it up in the air, picked off. Uh, Kyle Hamilton, <laughs> Kittle drops the ball, essentially, and then pops the ball right back to Hamilton's hand. Like, it, it just... And Hamilton was involved on the, like, the pass he got, rush. He got pancaked by Aaron Banks. And then got up, <laughs> ran all the way around, found Kittle, found where the ball was going to go, and was just kind of right place, right time for a, a pinball interception. But, what I mean, does, Hamilton was all over the place. What does bother me, though, is that this game, while it was only four picks for Purdy, felt like it could have been eight. There were a lot of passes that were thrown behind receivers, a lot of passes that were tipped by either defenders or... He dirted a bunch. A lot, like... At the feet, a few uh, yards in front of the feet of some receivers. I don't... Maybe some of those are just, like, throwaways, kind of, but, I mean, yeah. some of them were on, like, third and fives where and you need skipping yards. skipping and you're like, what... Like, the accuracy uh, was bad. Like It was bad. Tonight... Was tonight the first game Brock Purdy's looked like a rookie in his entire career? He looked overwhelmed tonight. I think that's that's fair. I mean, we've we even mentioned this briefly tonight, but when those games happen, we talked about it. The loss in Minnesota, I thought Brock Purdy played the best half of his career in the first half, at least yeah. up to that point. He was good. And they threw some interceptions in the second half, but he still was making a bunch of big plays. The week following that one against the Cincinnati Bengals, he had a terrible red zone interception, yeah. um, and there were a handful of mistakes, and those mistakes, simply put, were ugly. They were, they were not good. But almost every single other play in that game, if you, if you just... Ignore the interceptions, which, again, you can't do when you're trying to evaluate this guy fairly. But if you take those out, my God, he was incredible the rest of those games. <laughs> yeah. but that's not That was not the case tonight. No, His interceptions were bad, maybe some worse than others, but the rest of the game also was very uneasy, herky-jerky, never smooth, never got into a rhythm. So I think with that in mind, I think you're 100% right. It was the first game where he looked like someone without much experience, and for my money, Sterling, it was his worst performance of his career. And I don't yeah. think it's really that close. Do you think it lends credence to the people that may have been waiting for this? They were like, oh, I can't wait for, for Brock to play poorly, and I'll call him a system quarterback. Oh, that's definitely like, ratcheting up. If you were if you were um, frustrated, if you hated that narrative <laughs> earlier... And then going away. <laughs> it's getting stronger now because he put this yeah. performance together on Monday Night Football, the nightcap for Christmas Day in the NFL. <laughs> oh, man. Nick Wright's going to have a field day. Whenever tomorrow. he's back at work, yeah. I assume it's tomorrow. My God. Well, like, so after a game like this, it kind of is hard to defend, not the system quarterback label put on him, but it's hard to defend... Him after this one. Whereas the Vikings game, you could defend him. After the Bengals game, yeah, sure, Brock's still playing well. And of course, you lose three games in a row, then you rattle off six wins, Brock's playing borderline perfect through a lot of them. Then you do this. So, like, my thoughts on Brock Purdy tonight are not, he isn't an MVP caliber player, or he shouldn't be in that conversation. But it does feel like that Brock Purdy... Did he take a step back? Like, a lot of fans in the chat are saying, Jimmy G was better, and he sent some quarterback, and we, 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 we th this was coming. We, Romeo, we all knew. Romeo on the YouTube chat, uh, youtube.com slash 957 the game. Jimmy G is the answer. Uh, someone else says, Bennett says, quick, ask Dallas to give back Trey Lance. Like, and I, I, 
what happened to all the good grace? I'm I sure think they're just that's trolling. Joking, but but like you there can, are people that be so believe sure. that. Like there are people that have been waiting for this game. And to those people, I say, go touch some grass. But <laughs> I also think that, like, everything Brock has done. Like, we, we were crowning him the MVP. Many of us, including myself, were like, it, it already may be wrapped up. Now, tonight's game might change that. But I do think that everything he's done to get this team to 11-3 and prior to tonight, does some of that good grace go away? Do some fans sit back and say, maybe he is a system quarterback. Maybe he maybe he is just a flash-in-the-pan Jimmy G-like quarterback. I don't think that, but I, I do think some fans might get 2019 vision again, and I hate that. I hate that. I mean, I could, I, I 100% can see that narrative gaining a little bit more steam. I think it's more so from a national perspective as opposed to a local one. Now, you can't hide the fact that Brock Purdy was bad tonight, for me, I'm not the MVP conversation is one thing because that is a statistics based yeah. award and with a zero touchdown four interception <laughs> game against the other best team in the NFL on national television, he's simply put just not gonna win it. Like it, it, it can't you know, happen anymore. You you think it's done. No, I think it's done. Brock Purdy has no chance to win the MVP anymore. But like I don't care wow. that much about zero the zero percent chance. I mean, okay, one percent. If Baltimore loses the next two, <laughs> and Philadelphia loses, and the Cowboys keep losing, right. and Purdy, like, okay, then maybe, maybe. Okay. But I mean, or uh, Christian McCaffrey is now the Niners' favorite to yeah. win MVP over Brock Purdy. But that's one whole conversation. The more important and, and and the more interesting conversation, at least in my mind, is just about Brock Purdy, the quarterback, and his ability to help win this team a Super Bowl. Like, does that change in your mind at all after today's performance? For me, I think no. Now, I'll be watching a game against the Commanders maybe a little more intently than I would have otherwise. The doubt's creeping in, Mark. Does this become a trend? You getting 2019 vision? No. But you getting getting Jimmy G flashbacks? I I literally (laughs) just said that does not change my opinion. But you're you're kind of your your ears like perk up a yeah, little bit, yeah. right? Like you're kind of on alert. You're looking for these things you're, now. You're and if more if yeah. a trend starts, one game is not a trend. If a trend starts, then it's something you gotta consider and take in all information that you possibly can before changing an opinion, making a new opinion, editing an opinion slightly. You know, whatever. I'm not there. It's it's one bad game against okay. a really good team, a really good defense. Things started crumbling early, and then they kind of snowballed, and they weren't totally um, Brock Purdy's doing the interceptions, at least. He had bad moments that weren't interceptions as well. I'm not sh- hiding away from those facts either, but it's just one bad game. The guys put on tape this season, last season, an incredible amount of fantastic, great, great football. One game does not change my mind that much, but if this can, were to continue, okay, yeah, maybe. But I'm, no, I'm not close to that yet. So you think that after this game, like you are more willing to wash this game under the rug and say whatever? Like, but is that only if they beat Washington? Like, let's say next Sunday against Washington on the East Coast, 10 a.m. He comes out and puts together two thirty in one touchdown pass. Are are you like, oh, like this looks like he's the game manager again? He like he he looks like he's 
he looks like an, a, another system or a, another Kyle Shanahan system guy. Because I'm sitting back saying it's one game, good defense, great opponent, a team that could have beat you even on your best day, right? Brock could have had, now this is a bad example, but Brock could have had four touchdowns and the Ravens still could have won this game. Like, he could have been his best he ever has been and Baltimore just could have been better than you, right? I don't think this game really moves the needle outside of like, yeah, he played bad. Like, Brock Purdy simply sucked today. Does he have to play? Like, does he have to blow Washington out for me to, or or for the listeners to say, oh, he's back, or he or he's back in the MVP conversation? Like, I don't think he leaves the MVP conversation now. Certainly falls down a peg or two, but I I'm I'm not sitting back saying, oh, it's Jimmy G. Like, oh, better watch out, 2019 all over again. This just feels like a one game. I don't even want to call it a fluke. It's it's almost like you had a bad meal, you got you got sick and you threw up, and now you're fine again, right? That's kind of what it feels like to me. Yeah, no, he he does, and um, you know, it's 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 just one game, and there's there's nothing really more for the 49ers to take out of it. Now you can break down the tape, you can look at it, and and you can point to what Brock Purdy did wrong and what the mistakes were, and let's not. Let's not pretend like it was simply Brock Purdy playing poorly. I mean, his receivers for three-plus quarters did him no help. They they did not help him at all. I mean, how many third and fives were there? Passes over the middle, maybe not 100% accurate, but Debo Samuel dropped one. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, I mean, was targeted, what, once through the first, like, three quarters of this game? He was erased by Marlon Humphrey. He was entire, taken out of the game. game. Yeah. He got going in garbage time, which coincided with Sam Darnold coming in kind of strangely. Red enough. Rifle Jr., baby. <laughs> Red Rifle. But this was also a game where Brock Purdy's pieces around him weren't great. And so the the, the blame isn't fully on Brock Purdy. This isn't a situation where it's 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 all Brock Purdy's bad performance, and that was what sunk the 49ers offense. There were issues elsewhere. Um and for the 49ers, it's something where, okay, maybe from a wider team perspective, not just from a Brock Purdy perspective, but from a wider team perspective, that might be something that's a little bit more concerning. How are you able to ensure that Ayuk does not get taken out of games? You were able still to get Christian McCaffrey involved, and he was effective as well. But your other offensive pieces were held in check. And that's really the first time with the 49ers fully healthy where you were able to say that. Now, again, McCaffrey was over 100. George Kittle was over 100. But Ayuk was invisible. Debo Samuel had a, a moment here or there, but didn't really have a big play that broke free and got the, the, the crowd into the game. This was the first time where the 49ers were fully healthy on the offensive side of the ball, Sterling. And it wasn't pretty. And for the most part, it was pretty ugly. Dare I say very ugly? Like, when you have this many weapons, you have to score more than 20 points. We were talking about per DVOA, which is the nerdiest of nerdiest stats you can get. (laughs) This team was a top 10 offense of all time. And like a top 7 team of all time. And the second best... Niners offense since 1970. 
which uh, features some of the best offenses in NFL history. Like, we're talking one of the greatest quarterbacks, if not two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, the greatest receiver of all time. Like we're talking, like, one we're of the talking, greatest running backs of all like, time. Should be a Hall of Famer, mind you. But and then you do this: nineteen points, and your offense looks invisible. And Sam Darnold scores seven of those. And to a point, Shanahan kind of said, "Purdy, don't come back in." Obviously, to save him from being getting quarterback in. controversy, uh, Sterling it's back, but. It just felt like... Sam- Where's Brandon Allen? Oh. Oh. Straight Lance. Oh, God. <laughs> Josh Johnson. This was the Josh Johnson game, mind you. But you just can't have this many weapons with this offense riding that high with this head coach, this offense in mind at your place where you played pretty darn good since 2019 and especially this season and then do this like, your quarterback turned the ball over four times. Darnold threw a pick himself. Five total turnovers. Debo, a non-factor. Ayuk, a non-factor. The Ravens erased the stars of the San Francisco 49ers. And outside of Chris McCaffrey in a first half from George Kittle, nothing really happened today for San Francisco. Yeah. All right, we get, let's go out to the phone lines. We got a special guest on hold here on Santa? 95.7 The Game. Santa's I wish here. it was Santa. Next best thing... Uh, Lo Neal, who of course you hear on the kickoff show with Larry Kruger for every single game with with Larry for the home games, with Evan Giddings for the road games. But he was down in Santa Clara tonight for this game, first doing the kickoff show here on ninety five seven the game, then at the game, and he called in. We're gonna join. Uh, he's gonna join us here now on overtime on ninety five seven the game. It's Lo Neal on overtime on ninety five seven the game. Lo, you're with Grandy and Sterling on overtime. Lo, what was that game like down in uh, in Santa Clara? And, and Merry Christmas. How you doing? Hello? Lo, you there? All right, we'll regroup with oh, Lo. The Christmas present. Come the, on, Lo. The Grinch got him. The Grinch got him. He got him. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll regroup with Lo, and hopefully we'll get him on the other side coming up in just a little bit. But I'll be interested to hear what Lo Neal. I was so excited. I was excited, too. And it's another disappointment with this Niners loss. And now Lo Neal. Lo got taken him out Come crumping on, up Lo. there with the hoop. Oh, man. <laughs> Um, but I'm interested what the crowd was like at Levi's yeah. because it was kind of kind of an interesting vibe because it was a 14-point game after Sam Darnold led one scoring drive, and there was like five minutes left, four and a half minutes left. We were getting nervous. And <laughs> it looked like the crowd had kind of Got him back into left. it. Well, they kind of, oh, really? Well, there were a number. I mean, it looked like empty seats. Okay. But you're, th- you're looking like oh, it's a two-score game, and there's like four and a half minutes left. The Ravens have like a third and eight. Like, this game is not over. (laughs) But, like, it feels like they're down by 30. But, like, it's not. I'm interested when, if ever, the crowd felt like the Niners were in this game. It it just felt like an entirely emotionless, lifeless game. And I can't really blame the crowd for that. I mean, it's it's the play of the 49ers that led to that. Um, But this was kind of a weird game because it felt like they were down by 30, but the game was not close to over yet. Even when they were down by four, it felt like the crowd just wasn't involved. I don't know if it was the Purdy interceptions that you just kind of sat back and said, it's going to be one of those days at the office where you're like, nothing's going to go right. What's the point of even getting involved in the game? It's not like the NBA where you know your team's down by 20, but you hit a couple of threes and you're back in the game. No, it felt like San Francisco had to march. 99 yards, even though it was only 75. It felt like they had to fight tooth and nail to get five yards out of the passing game or yeah. 
seven from the running game, and sure, there were some chunk plays here or there, what, I, I think Debo caught one by 15, Kido caught one for like 35 or 40 once in this game, like, there were some big plays on, on the half of San Francisco, but it just felt like they would get there, then it would be a second and seven, then a third and five, then a punt. They really couldn't sustain momentum, even when it felt like they were getting it back. It was just like, the Ravens make a stop, receiver drops a pass, the drive's over. Then you have Mitch Wisnowski out there punting balls downfield and saying, you know what, I'm going to take some shots when the guy's <laughs> out of bounds, and I'm going to make someone feel some pain today. If no one else is going to tackle, I'm going to tackle. Yeah, I mean, it was bad all the way around for the 49ers. You could you could point to some mistakes on special teams uh, as well, on, on offense and defense as well. Uh, bad all the way around for the San Francisco 49ers uh, in this one. They fall against the Baltimore Ravens at home here on Christmas night. 33-19 to was the final score. Brock Purdy threw four interceptions, did not get into the end zone at all, either on the ground or through the air. The only touchdowns for the 49ers were Christian McCaffrey and Ronnie Bell. Ronnie Bell caught the touchdown from Sam Darnold, and that was it for the 49ers. All right, let's go out to the phone lines here to close up this segment. Let's go to Ricky in Dallas. What's up, Ricky? You're on overtime with Grandy and Sterling here on 95-7 The Game. Ricky, what stood out to you from this Diners loss tonight? Um, the, the abandonment of the run. And the reason why I say that, because if we're looking statistically, we ran the ball 13 times. We, we have the, the number one running back in the game in the league right now. This game honestly felt to me almost like the Super Bowl when we should have closed it out running the ball, but we kept throwing it. And the, I don't blame Brock Purdy on the, the ball that bounced off a of Kittle. I don't blame him on the ball that the Stevens guy tipped it off. I do blame him on the first one in the end zone. But my, my main issue is our first touchdown was we basically ran the ball. So I'm more mad at Kyle. Like, why did you not take the ball out of Brock Purdy's hand for a minute? Let our guys run the ball. Because literally what they were doing was they sent four people and they dropped everybody back in coverage. And they were like, okay, yeah, we want you to throw. We'll just, we'll just put our linebackers back a little bit further. So, therefore, even if you've completed it, we're, we're, they're back there. We should have been running the ball more, make them bring everybody up, and then hit them with um, uh, play-action passes. But for us to only commit to 13 running plays from CMC, that's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, Ricky, uh, McCaffrey did run 14 times technically, not that much better, but did have an extra rush there, 14 for 103, and got into the end zone. He was the reason you scored that touchdown. It was the McCaffrey nine-yard touchdown run at the very end of the first half, but he set that up with a 39-yard run to get all the way down inside the 10-yard line, Um, and, and that's a big reason why McCaffrey had any kind of numbers in this game was that drive alone. It was a little more difficult, I think, for the 49ers in the second half because you get behind by 11 and you get behind by 18, still relatively early in the half. But at that point, you're kind of forced to be pass heavy, which could still be an issue for the 49ers. And we've talked about their their offensive scheme and plan, which kind of gets handicapped 
when the defense knows that you're only going to throw the ball and the Niners passing offense isn't quite uh, good enough at times, perhaps to kind of combat that when the defense knows what's coming. We can get into that. I think good points, Ricky. I know Sterling, you were a little upset that Niners didn't run the ball on their first drive of the game. I was angry. Uh, you were angry, although it was working with George Kittle on that first drive. They got all the way down into the red zone. Till it wasn't. Until it wasn't. <laughs> then an interception and the rest is history. But we can talk about the, the plan offensively as well for the 49ers in this game and hopefully we'll catch up with Low Neal coming up on the other side as well he was out at Levi's that's coming up on the other side we've got one hour left of overtime here on 95-7 the game it's Grandy and Sterling reacting to a 33-19 Niners loss to the Ravens more overtime next right here on 95-7 the game you could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.